my roof is a cork. It's good for sound. Mm-hmm. Wait, so you're in? You're not inside though. It's like a patio. I, I'm just. I don't know. I've just said that. I don't know why. That's the voice of former UFC flyweight Joe Benavides, and I'm Chris Weidman. This is Won't Back Down, presented by BioAccelerator. Joe Benavides is a multiple-time world championship contender. He's had a 15-year career as a mixed martial arts fighter. He started off in Dream over in Japan and ended up going over to WEC and then the UFC. He's had tons of ups and downs. Um, He has fought the who's who of the flyweight division and truly is the pioneer of the flyweight division. And we don't even know if that division would be around without him. Um, He just decided to retire last week. So I wanted to talk to him and find out why and what he's going to do next um, and just where his head's at with this whole experience of deciding to retire after 15 years. He also goes into his backstory and and talks about what it was like growing up in New Mexico uh, in a tough town where he struggled with drug and alcohol abuse since like 13, 14 years old and how sports had, had really like made him make the decision to walk away from that and make the right choices. I want to tell you about Won't Back Down's presenting sponsor, BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research. Through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. So I just got back from BioAccelerator last week. Uh, What an amazing experience going to Medellin, Colombia for the first time. Um, the people in that country were so nice and welcoming. Um, the people at BioAccelerator, um, the staff, the stem cells, the, the hyperbaric chambers, the massage therapists, um, everything was top notch. And they really took care of me uh, in the best way you could possibly do it. Um, I got injected in almost every single injury I ever had since the beginning of my career. Um, they tell you it takes about six months to get full results, but I already feel better. But that was last week. Let's talk about this week and get to the flyweight legend himself, Joseph Benavides. You just publicly came out and said that you're retired. Yes. Um, your last fight was in March. You've had an yeah. amazing career, so congratulations. But like, Thanks, what, dude. What, uh, yeah, no problem. What, uh, what made you retire, man? Um, just multiple things, you know. Uh, well, to make it official, um, what made me do that, like, I guess, make the call was was basically I was like bored <laughs> and idle and like because I knew I was going to be retired. So like fast forward, I knew I was going to be retired, but I was just kind of sitting here like every day in my backyard idle. Just, you know, you're not going to go chase down the other things you want to do when you haven't really like made that official. And I didn't want to make that official because. I really didn't want it to be like a thing, you know, like, I don't know if people know, like, I'm not, I don't like want the attention or like praise or anything of the sort. So I just kind of wanted to like not fight anymore and then do something else. And then like, Hey, I don't fight anymore. Not like retire and make it this whole thing. But I was sitting here and like I said, I was just kind of idle. And I was like, well, I guess if I want to like actually like move on to something else and do things I want to do, then like, I kind of have to, 
officially close this other chapter. So, and then the other thing I was, I was honestly just tired of, of doing the damn USADA stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Cause I was like, why I keep doing this for you? Know, like I was in Italy for two weeks and I swear to God, dude, I like, before I got on the plane, I was like, I'm going to retire right now. So I don't have to like fill this out for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it was just, it was just <laughs> it's annoying as hell. Yeah. So that was what made me like make the call, which is funny is like, you can't just retire. You kind of have to like get out of the pool. Then the media has to know. And it becomes this thing, which honestly has been a blessing, dude. Like it's a weight, like kind of off my head, like frees me up. But honestly, all the stuff I kind of told you that I like feared and I didn't want has honestly been the best part. Like hearing my peers and the media and fans, like, honestly, like, you know, just be so complimentary. Like, I'm so proud, bro, of like what I've actually done. And like, if anyone knows me, like, that's not something that I really do or say a lot. But man, like, it's really good. Um, that's been the best part. Like, I didn't think it'd be emotional because I'm like really good at just like walking away from things. But like, once like articles and stuff started coming in, dude, I'm just been like, holy cow, like, this is crazy. What a freaking journey it's been. You know, like imagine yeah. like a young, small me and um, yeah, it gets emotional, bro. It is amazing because I think when you're wrapped up in it and before you retire, you always have your eyes set on the next goal, the next goal and what you want yes. to accomplish. And obviously, I know you want to become a world champion more than anything. So it was never even a thought of retiring for such a long time. And you were never probably content because you had this goal that was always on the forefront of your mind. But then to finally, you know, well, you know what, let me close this chapter and then you could separate yourself from your career for a second and look at it as like an outsider, like, wow, look what I freaking did. You know, that's, that is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what it came down to, bro. Also like, well, even to go back and answer your first question, like, um, it's like, I always fought to be the best, you know, like, look, I feel great. Like I could go compete in the top 10. Like I understand like a lot of fight, like, People fight their whole career to be in the top 10. Like, I could find the top 10 for years to come, but I always fought to be the best and when and to have fun, you know? So when my last title shot was definitely probably my last one, the chance of being the best wasn't there. So it was kind of like, could I have fun doing it? And, you know, it wasn't really there. I never wanted to do this as a job. Like, it never felt like a job, and I never wanted it to be a job. So when I did look at my motivations – for my next fights, it was kind of like, I'd be doing it for a job, like literally for money. And it's like, this isn't necessarily a job you want to take chances with, you know, it's not like, Hey, you know, I have to go wake up early and take out trash for money. No, like you can get punched in the head and, you know, and other <laughs> gruesome, um, injury, like shit's not safe. You know what I mean? So like, why would I just do it if I'm not fully, you know, into that part. And like I said, like physically, I know, like, obviously I can compete in the top 10 for years to come, but without being the best, it didn't really make, make that much sense to me. Um, so I gave it some time, obviously, like I didn't want to retire right after my last fight, but I just want to see like, Oh, well maybe, maybe that fire still like in there, maybe something. And it was also how I felt in my last fight too. Like I never had felt like that in my life where I was like scared to lose. So I didn't like really, feel like I did anything to like win, mm. you know, and that was a weird feeling for me. I've never had a problem like letting it go and just, you know, 
freaking giving it my all but i was just kind of like eh, i'm not like losing so i'm not gonna like really try it like i don't know i just i didn't want to fight like that again so i don't know it, it just felt like the right decision i didn't miss training dude i didn't i didn't train like two or three months after and i was like you know my wife's like did you did you miss do you miss anything i was like not at all like why the hell do people go get headlocked in the morning and like you know what i mean like body yeah. slammed onto a cold mat in the morning like that doesn't sound fun at all right now I'll just ride the peloton or or something like that so you know that's been that and you know what like i feel lucky honestly through it all like that i'm in the position where i can just make that decision and stop and not have like a ton of pressure on me to have to like jump in and just do something else right now or like oh i have to take another fight because i need to Mm. You know, because like, I know like so much of this sport, you know, you know, we do rely on those paychecks and everything. And, you know, I'm just lucky. I mean, I, I have a sugar mama, which is great, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like all yeah, that kind of stuff, which is good, man. But, but yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. Like to look back and be proud, even like what we were talking about, so I had to get this in, but like, I got a lot to say about this obviously, but well, it's good. It's like, it's like, you know, 15 years ago, like I left in my car in New Mexico, you know, and I was just like a, a kid, you know, like I was wearing like boot cut jeans and like Birkenstocks. I had like a tape player. I was in an 86 Continental, Lincoln Continental. Oh, I had a and car. It's just that. I, yeah, I had one of those. Oh, yeah? Yeah, my parents, oh, my dude. parents had one of them. I love oh, that oh, car. You got style then. Yeah, they got oh, yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. oh. That was my favorite car ever. Yeah. Did it have like the slant back with like the tire mark on it? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's the best. <laughs> um, you know, I think about that kid, like when like looking back, like when we were talking earlier, like just being proud, it was like, I had no idea what was going to happen. I just like set out to do something, you know, that I thought I needed to do. And it's like, what became emotional is like 15 years later, I thought of that and I was just kind of like, I'm in my backyard and the first interviews rolling in are like ESPN, you know, and it's just kind of like that kid fucking 15 years ago set out to do something like 15 years later, he's in his home, a nice home with a beautiful wife and a good life in Las Vegas. And like ESPN is writing about that, mm. about yeah, what I set out to do. That? And it's crazy because yeah. it's like, we didn't even think the sport would be on there. None of the, like, I didn't, you know, when you leave and, you know, you start your fighting career and all that, like you imagine all these things that are going to happen, but it's like Lamborghinis and mansions and like models and popping bottles and kissing models, yeah, whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like all the stuff that doesn't happen, like it doesn't happen. Right. And then like, but what does happen is like better than what you could have really imagined, you know, like the ups, the downs, the like random people you meet. You know, so like that's just the best. And like that kid didn't think, you know, 15 years later, he'd be in his backyard, you know, freaking doing an interview with Chris Weidman. Like <laughs> it's just it's just crazy, man. So all that stuff, like when it started pouring in, I was just like, holy cow, like who the hell am I? Like, how did I get here? You know, it's pretty crazy. It's amazing because, I mean, we started fighting around the same time. And when you're yeah. going through all these stories, it makes me think about my life and my story. And, and yeah, dude. And reflect a little bit. It gets me a little emotional too. Like, what the hell are we doing here? We're we're on a yeah. we're on a podcast right now. Yeah. We both we both started <laughs> fighting around the same time. Yeah. Uh, and what a journey it's been. But it's hard to it's really hard to see it when you're in it, man. You just 
it's a constant battle ups and downs and, you know, struggles and the grind. Um, mm-hmm. But to see you hit that other side is refreshing and really nice to see. It's, it's, and, and you should be super proud. It's amazing where this sport has become. And, and like, I know you're super grateful for where the sport uh, ended up being because it gave you an outlet to compete against the best guys in the world uh, and be on ESPNs and, and, you know, yeah. be chilling out in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. I mean, like, it's amazing what, the sport that we just were grinding, just becoming the best in the world that ended up giving back to us. Yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, I think one of the things like when you're in it that I've realized is like, I think the reason successful people are successful and they do things is they don't really stop and like smell the flowers, you know, they don't stop and look at their work and like adore it. Cause there's always something you know, like, like my longevity, I think fighters longevity is like, we always think our best fight is going to be our next fight, you know? And it's like, that was good on my best one. I'm going to fight like, like I'm supposed to next time. Like I think I can. And when you win, it's kind of like, I was supposed to do that. Move on. I still have stuff to do when you lose, forget about it, move on. So you never stop and really just think about what you're doing. And, you know, I, I look forward to, you know, everyone being able to do that one day. Um, hopefully like I have, like it, 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 it's nice, you know, like, but once again, like that's kind of the reason you're successful as well, because you didn't stop and say, Oh, I did that. That was good. I should be good for a few months of, you know, chilling. Cause that was, that was so cool. You know, like you're like, Nope, like it's always progressing and getting better and you don't stop and, and, and think of anything. So so, yeah, I mean, that that was a, like a big takeaway from it. It was like, oh, all right. Well, I think that's that was a big reason you, you don't look back at it. But it's it's nice to stop, like you said, and be on the other side and just look inward and go, all right, well, we did some shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because step. like for mental health wise to be able to stop and reflect and look at what you've done and appreciate it and be grateful for the position you're in is you know, something we're taught is the right thing to do. But when you're in the thick of it and you're trying to accomplish these goals, I don't know if it's the best recipe in order to accomplish what you need to. You can't be sitting back and feel like you did everything right. And, you know, and and what I've accomplished is amazing because those are seconds that and minutes and hours that are going by in the day where you're not thinking about like just crushing the next workout and becoming better and better and better. Yeah. I think fighting is probably not the sport for that. It moves too quickly. Obviously, in the fight, it moves quickly. So even just starting at a split second, like you can't punch someone and be like, that was really nice because you're going to get punched. But even just (laughs) even just like, you know what I mean? Like on every level, like you have no time to sit around and adore what you did or like landed a nice kick or good like you know, because even you know, you win a fight, like you sitting around for a week, like so much is evolving and people are coming up with new things and new patterns. And when you've been doing it for a while, they're already taking in what you did in your fight and what you've done, you know, um, like, so it's just like, there is no time to do that. Like fighting is not really the sport, you know, um, like you have to have a short memory and, you know, win, lose practice, good practice, bad practice all that kind of stuff. Like you don't have time to sit and, um, and overanalyze, I think. 
and there's no and there's no seasons. You know, it's not like all right, no. listen, I got. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, just work on getting my body to where it needs to be for, you know, you know, the summer and then the season yeah. starts in the fall and then I'm done in, you know, the winter, you know, and then I get to take a break. There's no seasons, you know, it's short notice fights. It's fighting when you're injured. Um, it's fighting when you're sick and training while you're going through all this stuff. It's just a nonstop grind. Um, but this also, it's not like we're complaining. It's the reason why when you win, there's nothing like it in the world. You you yeah. have done so much and grinded so much that people can't even understand. And um, and then when you lose, how much it's all on you and the criticism you have to deal with. You know, you get these people that have no idea what they're talking about. I've never done anything like us and put it all on the line. And they're sitting at home and able to access us and get inside our heads <laughs> and tell That's us how, how bad we suck in every facet of life. Yeah. You know, I obviously love the fans, but what I will say is like people that do something like that, like, I don't think they're really fans, you know, because like you wouldn't even be a fan. So for me, thank God, like, obviously we've all been there where we read, you know, hundred good things. And then that one bad thing like sticks out to us and we might, they might even get deep enough for us to reply you know, or whatever, which now I've matured and I just block. I'm just like, I'm just like, dude, like you'll never see what I do again. Block. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. best thing I like doing is somebody will come like right, put a comment on my page and go, Hey dude, tell your wife to unblock me and I'll block them <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. without saying anything. Because I'm like, <laughs> if you piss my wife off, then like you did it for We're a done. reason. Yeah. So I'm blocking you too. But yeah, like, I feel like those people aren't fans and, you know, obviously it takes a lot of, I mean, practice like anything else and dealing with stuff, you know, cause the first times you get it, you're just like, what the hell? Like, I thought you guys love me. And all of a sudden, like I'm seeing all these bad comments, you know, but it's the internet, you know, anybody has the choice to say whatever they want to anybody and go to everybody. Like, of course they're going to do it. You know, like their dream is to do what we do. So to come and get a comment from us or criticize us, you know, it makes sense. But like I said, those people aren't really fans at the end of the day. Like you wouldn't take advice from that person. Yeah. That's, you know, doing that. So it's like, why would you take criticism from them? Serious. Like you wouldn't take advice or ask them to do anything. Like they, at the end of the day, you know, want something that you're actually doing. That's kind of how I always felt about it. And then um, I was going to say something else profound. I forgot. No. <laughs> of course, it's definitely <laughs> but, profound if you forgot. No, but you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't take yeah. that from me. So it's just kind of like, all right. And it's like at the end of the day, like when you win or lose, like, I don't know. Like I'm always grateful for the part. Like these people, look, we however many wins we have, right? Or more than that, you know, between wrestling, between everything, like we've been the fucking man that many times for thousands, millions of people. You know what I mean? Like we've been the man fucking however many times we won, like the guy like that night for fucking thousands of people cheering for us. Those people have never felt that in their life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, sorry, dude, like. You know, like I can't take criticism from you. Like I'm the fucking man. And well, you're yeah, well the they're trying to drag. They're trying to drag down the man. You know, yeah. what I mean? because it brings them up. You know, in the, in their world. I remember yeah. when I first like started seeing hate. It was really 
as soon as I started doing good, you know, and you started having, I started to have positive, uh, you know, results. On it's a good sign you're doing good. I think it's a good <laughs> sign. They say the more haters, the better you're doing. I think it, yeah. it's, it's true. Um, and I, it was so confusing to me because my whole life, I mean, my whole life wasn't, you know, didn't start on Twitter. It was just like in real life situations and you go through life and, you know, you respect people, people respect you. And, very rarely did you meet people that like hate you and dislike and you're you. a likable guy also so well, well most people i feel like everybody is on like how many people do you meet are just dicks really there's not that many in yeah, life, in not, real man. life real life people you know when you actually get them one-on-one or something that are truly dicks they're definitely out there but for the yeah. most part and then all of a sudden it's like there's all these people that hate me and it's like what the hell what? Why, yeah. why don't you like me? I haven't really met anybody that didn't like me like, just for no reason. Uh, it was, it was confusing. They it was conf- met you. Yeah, they haven't met me. Like, it's crazy. Know. Like, yeah, but it's 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 great, man. Like the freaking ups, the downs. Like when I think about that kind of stuff, you know, like some of the worst things coming after a loss, you know, um, as far as fan comments, and then obviously like your own thoughts, but something I took, especially on my last one is like, you know, the world, like we were going through so much shit, you know, and it's like just us having like the choice to, to like choose greatness and be disappointed. Like we made a choice, you know, knowing the consequences. So like, I've had some fucking crushing defeats, but it's like, you know what? Like I had a choice for that to be great. Like for that to be like the crowning moment of my life and it didn't happen, but like I had a choice, like people will never get to have that choice. Mm. You know, they'll, they'll never even get to make that choice to have such a failure, you know, but with the opposite, having such a victory. So I've always just like, I mean, and then I think like, I mean, even going deeper is like, think about people that get sick, you know, and terminally ill or COVID or anything like, like they don't have a choice like that's just what happens like we had a choice and then like okay we we lost like but we had a choice to like do something really really amazing you know and at the end of the day i think i think that's what's great you know it's like you know we have those choices that we get to do and like we're fortunate to do them so yeah and it's the it's the journey you know you're really supposed to enjoy the whole thing now you look back you know and for someone who won the championship I will say like you, I accomplished a goal that I wanted to accomplish forever. But at the end of the day, you look yourself in the mirror and you're the same guy and it's right into the next goal. It's like, you know, it's just yeah. right back into the ground. Okay, I need to defend it. I need to defend it as yeah. many times as possible. It's just, it's a never ending uh, cyclical uh, thing where you constantly need more and more. So it's never that you'll feel satisfied yeah. uh, on what you've accomplished. It, and you shouldn't really, right? It, like, it's You got to be satisfied with who you are as a person because other than that, um, it, you just you'll never be happy you know it'll never yeah. be enough um so it's, it's it's nice to see that you you sat back and i think realized this um let's go into your career so obviously you've had an amazing let's career do it. you fought for the you fought for the belt the world championship three times um more i think so i don't know three, oh, okay. three sounds good okay but i mean you the only guys you lost to for the most part were world champions yeah um and give me give me some of the highs and then, and then also some of the lows throughout your career. I know it's been a long career, but if you could pinpoint and highlight some some of those moments that you could think back on now and reflect as some of the highest of highs, and then also the lowest of lows, um, well, I'd love to hear that. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really hard, I guess, not to. I mean, I, I, our our career is really defined by wins and losses. So it's it's it is funny when I think about it. All the highs came from wins, and all the lows pretty much came from losses because that's that's what makes it right. I I I hate to say, oh well, there was something else, but um, you know, well, starting off like at the top, like fighting in Japan was like a dream of mine to fight in Dream. And come out there, like, for one, like, leading up to that fight, I was supposed to fight Kid Yamamoto, who, like, I had looked up to. So it was actually amazing getting so many, um, you know, eyes and, you know, just the interviews and stuff is, like, me coming out. And um, Wait, I'm sorry to like, interrupt, but how many how many fights were you in at this point, Fighting Dream? I think, like, nine. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, actually, I have, like, I think everybody maybe does, but, like, I have, like, five fights that aren't on my record either that like yeah. no one got. So like that pisses me off kind of every day. Cause I look at like, cause my, <laughs> cause my record know, five like, fights, five wins is not a, that's five not a, wins all finishes that's a lot. Is like, I earned that shit, yeah. you know? And it's like <laughs> five looks good on your record. Like that puts my wins up here. Like it's just, it, it gets me mad every day, you know? And I used to say, all right, well, I'll just win five more then it'll be that. But then like, it'll never really catch up. But now like when I'm done, I'm done. Like that's my record, but it's like, it's not, I have five more wins that are better in their finishes. But anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah the dream was great. Cause like, once again, it was just kind of like, what the hell am I doing here? Like I'm in Japan, like it's a crazy culture. Like I've been watching, you know, the pride and the dream and hearing the lady like yell my name yeah. and like, it was nuts, dude. I like, that was my first time I had to get a passport and, and everything. And I had to do all this stuff for my passport. Cause I used to be a piece of shit. Um, but like, it was, which I want to get into. I don't know if you know the whole premise of the show. It's about coming out of adversity and tough times and overcoming them. Oh shit, dude. Then, yeah. Oh, we're going to get into that. Finish your, so finish your thought. And then, and then, yeah. Then so like that was great. And then, um, you know, like the WC career, like that is like a bright spot. I always look on. And a lot of it is cause I think, I don't know, like I think people forget it and I even forget it. You know, like when I think now it's like UFC, 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 flyweight, flyweight, flyweight. Like that's kind of what people know me as Oh, a pioneer of the flyweights or started the flyweights. But it's like, I had a huge part in my mind and um, is looking back and like, just making the small guys like cool and able to and and people wanting to watch him anyway. Cause that was the pretty early days of WC when I got signed and, you know, I had, um, all my fights televised, um, in the WC that made people eventually want to tune in that made the UFC eventually, you know, want to take in a 35 pound weight class too. Like I love those fights. Those are some of my best fights. Um, obviously the Miguel Torres, I think stands out to most he people. A, he was a beast. Yeah, and he I was thought like he was unbeatable at one point, bro. Mythical, like creature. Yeah, and, and it's sad though because I feel like nobody even really knows him now. Yeah, not anymore. I hope he's that's doing. The thing, he's doing I'm, that's what sucks, man. That, that's speaking of a short memory. Fans have the shortest memory, which is great. All those comments roll in, and you're just like, and they feel like shit, or they feel good for a while, but like they stop and they're on to the next fight. Like you know what? No one's gonna remember your fight last week because there's another one on tuesday then there's another one on saturday that you know what i mean yeah, yeah so it's like they also have a short memory so to think years back like 
it's hard for people. Like I encourage anybody that it's one of those things, like, you know, when someone dies and they're like, I'm going to listen to their music and, you know, see what they did for the world. Like when people retire, hopefully they watch fights. And if you do like go watch the WC fights, all my WC fights and all Mm -hmm. those fights were amazing. But like, so the Miguel tour one stands out, stands out as a high. And I'll tell you a little story with that is he actually won the WEC belt in Albuquerque, New Mexico against Chase Beebe. And that's where I was. That's where I'm from, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I went to that fight, right? Um, with my girlfriend at the time. Don't tell Megan I've never had a girlfriend in my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she always says that when I tell this story. She's like, what? You've never had a girlfriend. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Just, I just Only knew. you, babe. I only have yeah, eyes for But you. anyway, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but, dude, the best thing is after Miguel won the belt, I was able to, to um, be around him with my girlfriend. And I took a picture of my girlfriend and him at the time. Wow. And I just remember this because – you know, he like won a belt. He's taking a picture with my girlfriend. I'm like the geek, like taking a picture of my girlfriend <laughs> with this fighter guy. But he had no idea, like I was gonna ruin his life in like three years. You did know, you, did you have an idea at that point? I, uh, I mean, in my mind, I did. Of course, I wasn't gonna say like, "Hey, dude, like I fight too. Like you'll see me one day, hopefully." Conor McGregor would have like, done. Conor McGregor would have done that. Yeah, I know, and it would have <laughs> been a cooler story. But nah, I was just like, hey, Miguel Torres, like, can my girlfriend take a picture with you? And of course, he looked at me like, loser, like, grabs my girlfriend, like, by the hip, you know? And I'm just kind of like, all right. So it's just funny. So, like, all through my career, like, if anybody ever asked me to, like, take a picture with their girlfriend, I was, like, suspicious of them, you know? I was like, bro, are you going to fucking come and take my life later in life? That's amazing. Yeah. So that was always like an important one to beat him. But like one of my favorite fights in the WC was also um, Jeff Curran. Yep. Another beast. Awesome grappler. Yeah. Because like that was um, like before that fight, I had done everything. Like I always just did what I was supposed to do. Like, all right, I was supposed to beat that guy and I did. You know, that was one that came in where, like, I had been watching this guy. I already knew who he is. Like, I'm fighting an established guy now, not, like, somebody coming up with me. Like, I'm fighting a guy I've watched fight before. He has 40 fights. I have 10. Like, I'm supposed to lose and then, like, come back but, like, show my potential in the fight. Gotcha. And I whooped him, and it was a great fight. Um, Wagney Fabiano was actually a high of mine, too. And I think another reason for that was – that was my last WC fight and me and Chad Mendez and Faber all fought on the same card. And uh, we kind of awesome. came up together and we all won that night and Faber was the main event. We all got to go in the cage after and just, you know, act stupid and, and everything. And so that was really fun. Also that fight, I think kind of defines my style in a way. Like I submitted black belt Wagner Fabiano, but in that fight, I jumped for a guillotine I think four times and I get the fourth guillotine and that just showed like, I don't give up. Like I'm going for the finish. Like I'm not holding back. Like, all right. I don't like, I don't want that guy on top of me and I jump for a guillotine. He gets out. Oh, like I don't want him on top of me. I'll do it again. Yeah. He still gets out, gets on top of me. I'll still do it again. And it took the fourth one. 
And like that's that confidence, bro. <laughs> you don't see that often. You don't. You see a guy go for one hard guillotine, he misses it. If he ever goes for it again, you could just see the confidence in him. It's just not there. It's wavered. He knows, like, oh, if I expend too much energy here, then he's on top of me. I'm in trouble. Yeah. Nonetheless, against a black belt like him, who I was like, I was like, I'm just gonna get him. Like at that point, I was just like, I don't know, but it just that like defines like my perseverance. You know, is just like, dude, I'll keep doing it. Like it's not insanity like doing the same thing over and it not working, like it's going to work. I'm going to make it work, you know? So it was almost like a weird delusion I had that I was going to get him. And then I did, you know, submit, wow. you know, a uh, world champion black belt. So that was a good one. And then obviously like, I don't know, man, we could go through so much in the UFC and like, obviously I had a, um, a lot of great wins, like my first win in Australia, the first ever win and knockout in the flyweight division. Um, Who was that against? That was against uh, Ura Shatani, a Japanese guy. Mm. Um, we were like that, me, him, Uncle Creepy, and Mighty Mouse were the top, were like a four-man tournament, and I knocked him out. There's was a first knockout, like I can say that forever, first win, first knockout ever in this division that started. You guys, were, you guys were all good, too. That was... yeah. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Ian McCall, man. you fought too, right? Did you Ian fight him? McCall, I fought Ian McCall. Yeah, I fought Ian McCall like two fights later. Um, you know, I think recently he like my two wins over Formiga like stand out to me um, as well because he was a tough he was a tough guy and like it seemed like he got even better by this time I fought him the second time and I was able to beat him. Um, my Dustin Ortiz second fight i thought was incredible because i remember that being the most the most tired i've ever been in my life like you're supposed to be tired after a fight because you're like that's good like i gave it my all and i hate when i'm not tired so i'm like oh i could still go or whatever but whatever and i knocked him out so that's fine but that was an experience bro like if you got if anyone watches that fight like i'm just saying what other people said but people mm -hmm we're saying like that might be the greatest grappling MMA grappling display like ever in MMA. Like we, Oh, it was, it was just an insane grappling fest. And you know, those like when you're like, I can't possibly scramble anymore. Like I hope yeah. he's still, and I hope yeah. he like is done yeah. and he wasn't. So I had to not be done. And it was like, it was just like deathly tiring, um, scrambling fight. So That's that great. was good. I mean, dude, like, I mean, uh, it's hard. Like, when I look back, it's funny, like the highs and the lows are obviously always the fights, you know, yeah. like my title losses were fucking devastating. Like my first title loss against Demetrius, like, I don't know, man, like it was, it was weird. And it, it was funny how that first title fight actually felt worse than like the second, the third. That was fourth. the first one was close, right? The that first was, one. Uh, yeah. It was split a split decision. decision. Yeah. And that one, like, you know, what was really weird is it goes to my next point after this is like the people I meet in MMA and like the journey in between the fights is what makes the journey. Right. Mm -hmm. Like my coach always said, this is a great quote is it's the space in between the notes that make the music. Right. Mm, yeah. Because a note is a note. It would just go ding, 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 ding. But when you put spaces like ding, 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 you know That's, what I mean? That is, that is great. Yeah. So it's the space between the notes that make the music. And it's like, yeah, the fights 
are the notes that I think of, but it's like, um, and it go, so I'll, I'll get back to that, but like going to, to my title fight, like the first one devastated me so bad. Like I fucking had to write like a poem after it. I was like, Bro, crying. That, poem like is, that poem is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh dude. By the way. Like dude, that is really yeah, good. It's like, it's crazy, bro. Like shit like that. Like I never thought I'd be the same. And I think the main reason for that, as I've discussed before, is like, I like, that was my whole, that defined me as a person at that time. Like I wasn't a full person. All I thought was like the title fight. I'm the best. It was almost all in like a selfish way. It wasn't for anybody else, which was great, which got me there. And you know, you need to be selfish and fine sometimes, but it was nothing else. I'd stare at the bell. I just wanted the praise. I just wanted to show everybody that I was something, you know, and that I would be nothing without it. And it's like, that just defined me. But it's like, after that loss, I realized, well, I fucking made some amazing friends and people, um, you know, girlfriend at the time, now wife during what that time. Oh, so yeah. Is that when you met Megan? Oh, I'd met her. I'd met her years before. Yeah. I'd met her when I was in the WEC 12 this years. Is, this is when you start dating her. Yeah, we were already dating everything. Yeah. So stuff like that, man, it was just like, you can go through shit if you like have like people there to go through it with, like, that's kind of what matters, you know? So after that first fight, I realized like, I thought that was just going to be like the death in me. Like I was going to be done. Like I would never like feel like I was anything, but like they made me. So I don't know, like after that, like, the losses, I mean, like they never become easier, but you know what I mean? It's one of those things like, all right, you go through something hard, but you're with someone, you know, that cares about you. And like, that means everything. So after that, it was always like that human part, the part of life actually like had started to, to really take over, like the importance of fighting, I realized. And it was like, I can't do this forever. And at the end of the day, I'm always going to have people that I made you know, even my teammates that are now, you know, considered my brothers and stuff like from Alpha Male and stuff like, like people are always going to be there for you, you know, but like, like you're not always going to win. And when you do, people are going to forget when you lose, people are going to forget, but like, you'll always have the people through it. And that's something when I look at my whole journey as MMA and MMA is like, that's my life. Like the people in it, I've all met through that, like all the strange people, all the people like I've shared amazing memories with that I'll know and love forever. Like, all that stuff in between the ups, the downs, you know, like people being there for you, meeting like strangers that are now family, you know, like that's, that's the great shit. Like that's the ultimate like high from it all. Like that's the ultimate highlight of it all, you know, and the fights, what I said, like they were just kind of like the notes, you know, they were making in between. So yeah, man, I don't know. So you're saying basically before the Demetrius Johnson fight, did you, you didn't feel like you had that like unconditional love from people to where you had to win to have people actually like love you and care about you. That's yeah. what was that kind of where is where your mind was at. Yeah. I mean, that's how I felt. And I, I was wrong obviously because when I lose, they're still there just the same. And that's when I realized like you have some people in your life and you know, we all do that are going to, that loved you before will love you after love you when you win, love you when you lose. And I didn't really know I had that, you know, um, I thought I have to be the best. I have to show everyone that never believed in me. I have to show this to myself. Like that was my whole self-worth was like being the best at this. Mm. But it's like, after that, these people still care about you. Like, 
no, like you're worth something to them. Like you're worth something to people that like are worth something to you. And like, that means a lot. So I don't know, just easier to carry on, but it's also like more inspiring and everything moving forward. And, you know, those are big reasons I was able to continue like to persevere um, through a lot of other ups and downs. I think Look at this guy, bro, you got a hamster behind you. Is that a pet hamster? Nah, dude, that's big Ben, bro. What kind of dog is that? He's a Maltese Yorkie. That's a cute dog. Yeah. How old? He's eight, eight. 12 good, pounds. Good dog. 12 oh, pounds. Oh, muscle. Guy. He's a dog. He's dude. He's got hammies for days, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Great hammies. Don't underestimate the hammy. Very important yeah, muscle. Dude. Oh, yeah. Um. Hey, let's go into uh, some of your past issues that you had to battle through. Uh, what is that? Espresso? Yeah, cappuccino. Very nice. Look at you. What's a fancy glass? Best cappuccino. Like when people ask me where the best um, coffee in Vegas is, I tell them it's at my house. I make the best cappuccino in fucking town for sure. I mean, I drink a lot of espresso too. That's all I use is my espresso maker, but... What kind of? Um, a, what do you have? Are you using a Bellotti, like an old school on the stove, or? I, I do. I do have the mocha pot. Um, I, I I use it here and there, but I usually use my. It's just the Breville um, Barista Express, um, one of the best like coffee um, coffee makers there is, and for the price, it's it's incredible. Really? Um, I actually use oat milk, um, and I have like water a subscription to the roaster that's actually considered the best um best coffee in the nation really what's that it's say coffee in brooklyn really um s-e-y it's yes backwards um and they get coffee from like all over like every box you open has like a little card of like the elevation it was roasted at how much for this all the tasty notes the history of the farm it was roasted on like it's crazy bro if i find out you're sponsored by this yes company spelled backwards i hate you (laughs) I'm not, I'm not. You get free, you get free coffee, don't you? No, I don't. I don't. It's actually funny enough. It's a guy that works sound in the truck with Megan. He owns the place. Oh, really? Yeah. And he would like make everybody coffee, like all his coworkers coffee, like regular coffee. And everyone was always like, damn, that's good. He's like, oh yeah, it's from my coffee shop. He's like, I'll give you a box. And then like me and Megan are like, this is like really good coffee. And then we look up the um, dude, everywhere, like every, every roaster is like this batch is from our Nicaraguan partners here. And this is actually our second year of using their beans. And this is their third harvest of this. Like it's crazy. So they kind of get it from all over and then they roast them themselves. Um, but dude, yeah, they get the beans from all over and then they're the roaster and, um, and brewery, but it's crazy. Yeah. If you're ever in Brooklyn, say like that, that was the spot. So it was funny because the guy was super humble. He like gave us a box and we're like, all right, cool. And then I was like, I'm going to look that up. And then it was like, best coffee in the nation. Like I was like, oh, dude, like really? it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Jeez. I'm a coffee snob. Yeah. I'm an everything well, snob, which is weird because I just grew up like a poor kid. So, but I just love the fire. So, <laughs> how'd you get so snobby, bro? Dude, I think of that all the time. I'm like, dude, <laughs> what? Like, how do I know this stuff? Like, And you dress the dressing so good and... Dude, I mean, I feel like you're snobby. Yeah, you are snobby. You're snobby. Dude. Full out snobby. Uh, trying to think of some other things you're snobby with. Uh, <laughs> so you take movies, down your, your cappuccino. 
movies, music, everything. But no, that is funny. I think of that shit all the time. Like, I'm just like, like, I'm like, talk to my cousins and stuff. And like, we're all from New Mexico. And I'm just like, how the hell did we get here? We're like, fucking eating risotto and shit right now. Like, I don't know what happened. You know what I mean? Like at dinner the other night, like listening to this music, I was just like, I don't know how I got here. I think I was always just, I think the main thing of that, I was always just like curious, bro. Like I'd always just be like, why, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like why, how fucking like, you know, anyone that grows up in like a small town with not much around them and gets out, I think they have that, that, um, feature you know is yeah, in a way to expand expand on yeah, themselves yeah and just wondering like yeah just wondering like oh shit this isn't like the only thing here right all right well i'm coming to your house when i come to vegas next and i want some of this coffee let's do it bro do i have to pay is there like a is there a fee no no i'm dude awesome. honestly my biggest joy in life is making people coffee like all right I sh- that means i should probably <laughs> is this before retirement time? This probably means I should open a coffee shop, but honestly, like when I got my first house years ago, I was like, what I pictured in my head is like, I just want to like pour like a guest coffee. Like I want to have dinner and have like another, you know, adult over and just be like, do you guys want coffee and pour it? And then just to be like, oh, that's very good. Where are those yeah, beans yeah, from? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that, I, that was always like a vision. So now when I do it, whenever I'm like, would you like a coffee? And they're like, yeah, of course. But like, cappuccino espresso how special which is the cappuccino with a little something so now it just makes like it makes me so happy and then i make my wife the best fucking guest coffee every morning so it's a good time awesome awesome i do my i get my wife i make my wife coffee too and she feels like uh nobody else can make coffee as good as me so exactly. which means that she'll never make it which i don't mind i i, I yeah. enjoy making my coffee as well i feel like yeah. there's a certain love that i put into it it's yep, not really exactly. anything special. I mean, I grind the beans every morning and, you know, it's always fresh and I have them locked up in a, you know, oh, yeah. those uh, containers that like seal it. So there's yes. no air being coming off because like you lose a lot. As soon as a bean is grinded, you lose a yep. lot of, uh, of the flavor and taste. Oh yeah. Um, what do you use? A French press? No, I'm, I'm actually using a regular uh, coffee maker. A drip coffee maker? A regular drip. Yeah, regular but drip. You, drips, dude, drips underrated. And I think people... Um, I think maybe the convenience of it and like the electricity and stuff, but it makes as good a coffee. I'll just say as anything. I love it. And, and I mean, I had, I could do a good espresso too. I learned from, yeah. you know, a, a guy from Italy who's very big into espressos on how to make the right coffee, the right espresso and how to do it the right way uh, with the Bialetti. I think Bialetti. Yeah. You know, the Bialetti is like the little the pot on the stove. Yeah. The mocha pot where the water comes up from the spout. Yes. Yes. And, it, I and got one on my- that's fun. It just takes a little bit more time to do. So I do that here and there and I do it for guests. If they want like an espresso, I'll make it nice and it feels good to do it. So I'm with you. I'm a little snobby with that, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to send you a picture of my coffee corner after, but the thing, if you're just grinding your own beans, like you're a level above any coffee that's going to be made, whether it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Drip, uh, mocha pot, espresso, French press, Chemex, whatever, like that, dr- it starts with, it starts with good beans. You know what I, I mean? I don't like the, the drip I've had bad experiences with. I don't really like the drip. I feel like sometimes it comes out. It, well, honestly, every single time I've had the uh, the drip, it's been a little bitter. I don't know if it's well, a coffee bean or well, not. Well, like the pour over? 
No, just no, no. The drip from like someone making the uh, the French press drip. The French press. Uh, the French is it French press? Oh, French press. Yeah. Yeah, the French press. That's what I mean. Okay. Um, yeah. I know that's supposed to be like another level up, but I don't. I don't. I haven't enjoyed it. I like the regular. Yeah. yeah. I like the regular coffee drip. Yeah. Um, right. Hang on. Let's go. Forget about the coffee. <laughs> yeah, I can't, dude. <laughs> let's go into uh, let's go into some of your your past issues okay. that you went through, some of your struggles growing up. And I know you. I think you came out and said that drug and alcohol abuse you've struggled with. Is this true? Or am oh, I yeah. making that up? Oh, okay. All right. Because I, yeah. I, as I said it, I'm like, I hope I'm not just, you know, making this up. No, yeah. I've been, I've been, um, I've been sober, uh, from drugs and alcohol for 16 years. Good for you, um, man. I was abusing alcohol probably since I was like 14, um, into 20, um, like abusing, abusing, especially like the last years. And then, no, just just give me so I was abusing, from, so from uh, fourteen to your twenty, you're drinking like is what does it mean? What do you mean by abusing? And how were and you were still doing sports and stuff? So just kind of paint that picture for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was still doing sports. I was like a state champ in New Mexico, but like I would do what you know I really wanted, like on the weekends. Um, no, I started drinking like. 13, 14, you know, growing up and then got probably heavily into it. We're like blacking out constantly and making like terrible choices and like putting like lives, mine, especially like at risk, like around 15, you know, like, I, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't really know how to explain it. Um, I was like, I was a sack of shit. Like I didn't do anything like, yeah, I wrestled, but like I would go, you know, blackout and make it to wrestling practice in the morning, you know, no matter what it was. Um, even after I graduated high school at 17, same thing, you know, um, shortly after that, you know, when I was 15 or maybe 14 still, like I started doing cocaine as well. And that was a constant all the way until I stopped um, doing it. But like that was at a super young age as well. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to really pinpoint it besides just saying like, you know, you're a piece of shit. You had problems. And I knew I, I had problems. Like every day I woke up and I was never like happy at what I did the night before or like proud I was doing it or like felt better cause I did it, but I couldn't stop as well. And, um, I don't know. I just, I knew it was going in a bad direction. Um, and it was only a matter of time till something really bad happened. You know, um, of course I got arrested like multiple times and, uh, what'd you get arrested for? Just like being a rascal, you know, uh, multiple times that, but also DUIs, um, fucking Uber wasn't around, you know, damn Uber. You so I had to the party Uber. Yeah. So all that kind of stuff, but no, man, it's, it's actually just crazy, man. Like I like, I had two like lives, bro. Like my friends that know me now, like from fighting, like can't imagine that like I used to drink and be this and that. And like, I don't really want to like tell stories because they're just, maybe I can tell like, I don't know, like it's just my past, you know, but 
like with that would it would detail but like they don't know me like that i that that was me and they can't imagine it you know and some people are like dude like i don't even know this joe like you have to drink with us one time and i'm like no like well obviously like they don't understand like the severity of it but they're kind of like don't understand that and then my other friends it's kind of crazy to them you know that like wow like they know me in this way i mean obviously now they've seen me and they're my best friends from home and homeschool and then like high school so you know they understand i change and everything but um but every time like speaking of like telling stories like every time I see them, they tell me a story that like, I had no idea about, Hey, remember when like you did this, remember when you ran over that stop sign and like carried it home and like threw it off, like all this, like, I'm just like, Oh my God. And they're like, yeah, dude, you don't remember that. Cause, but they do. Cause like, you know, they saw it from the outside, but I was like, I don't know. I, I wasn't a bad person like at all. Like I've, I've never been like a bad person, but I was reckless, bro. Like, and I was an endangerment to myself. Like I was very, very wild and alcohol and drug abuse runs in my family as well. Um, like I'm the only person in my family, um, of the males to not have gone to prison. Also, like my dad went to prison when I was seven. And then, you know, my older brother, um, went to prison out of high school and he's been great and he's never had to 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 go back and he's just been on the straight and narrow and raised amazing boys Mm, and like he's one of my best friends now and we get to like enjoy our life together um Mm. after he like did his stint and then my little brother um he uh he could never like shake it you know, that's another reason I just feel lucky is like that I was able to like I see friends and family that aren't ever ever like shake that addiction. And my little brother was one of those. And he. Uh, he he was lifelong until, you know, he was 18, two years here, a year out, two years there, a year out, you know, a year in three years in um, all the way until last year where he passed away. He was murdered. And I think. A lot of it was because of that lifestyle that he was living. And um, so I don't know, like, I feel lucky. Obviously, that's not me. And that's kind of what inspires me even before his death. But it was just like, I had to make a choice. You know, I saw like, like, I was going to go to prison next, like my little brother, my little brother, you know, he's younger than me, he had already gone to prison. You know, my older brother, I had seen him in and out. I'd seen my dad, you know, like lose his whole family to go. And I was like, I don't have like the criminal element to me, but like, I'm going to do something that's going to get me locked up. Like, it's only a matter of time if like I keep doing this and waking up every morning and not knowing what the hell happened. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I was just fortunate. I was able to, to stop that life. And I just knew I was like destined for something else. And I didn't know it was fighting. I didn't know it was anything like a lot of people. When I tell them I'm sober, they said, Oh, it's cause you're an athlete. And it's not, I, I like, I stopped drinking and doing drugs a year before I even started fighting. And then through, you know, being like my full self, um, my real self 
and I was able to discover and focus on something else on a passion, you know, like I would have never obviously done that um, in another life. So it's like, you know, it's funny because like when I was going for world titles or whatever, and I do interviews and people would say, oh, this is the culmination of 15 years of fighting and ups and downs. And, and it really, and it wasn't the culmination of fighting. It was the culmination of one decision. I was lucky enough. I could make, you know, 15 years prior, you know, like, cause I, without that, I wouldn't have anything. Like I might not have a life, but I wouldn't have a house, a wife, a career, anything, you know, I would be, I don't know what I, what I'd be doing. So yeah. Wow. Um, well, first, sorry to hear about your brother because I, I can't imagine and try and put my uh, trying to put myself in your shoes to get on this, you know, on the uh, to get away from that and have a clear head about the situation and knowing where that brings you and to see your little brother going down that path over and over and over again. And obviously, there's nothing you could do or really say to to get someone out of that situation because this really comes down to them you know they have to make that choice and so to yeah. have to watch that that whole time and must have been torture for you and still That's continue hard. on having a great career and everything it's amazing the things that people are going through that people don't understand and don't know you know um but this story i think is i mean is something that there's so many people that are constantly hurting with drugs and alcohol and and they can't get out of it and they they don't think it's possible for them to get to the other side. And I think it's refreshing to hear the fact that your friends from when you were a kid and making those mistakes and going down that bad path, they don't even recognize who you are now, you know, and the people that know you now can't even imagine you being that person then. So the change that you must have made is just is amazing, you know, and I think it gives hope to anybody in those type in that situation where they don't think they could change and to see where you, where you came from and where you are now. Um, and now you're just bougie about coffee and clothes <laughs> and things like that. Like how, how your life it is just, <laughs> you know, completely, you know, flip around with, with a, with a decision and a discipline to stay on the right path. You know, I think yeah. everybody in life makes that decision at some point. I remember for me, it was like junior high, you know, all the kids I was friends with started doing drug dealing and started, you know, stealing things from people like bikes and then trading it and whatever. And a lot of those friends are now in jail and their lives have turned upside down. But I remember like sports really is what I had to make the decision. Like, do I want to be one of those kids? And do I, and, and I realized that was bad. And I made that decision. Nope. I want to be a good person. I want to like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to go to jail. Uh, and I kind of had a similar thing. My brother was like really bad. He was always, he was always in trouble and I didn't want to be like that. I seen the pain and put on my, just war on my parents, you know, every single day. And, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like people get so like stuck in like patterns and also like, well, my family was this and like, well, I just grew up like this and I grew up with it like this, but like, there's always a way out, you know, like you can always, always break the pattern and like, why should it not be you? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I tell people all the time that, you know, I think some people let their like past and their family or other things that have happened in their family or in their life, like define them. But it's like, there's always a new day. And it's like, if someone's going to break, like this shouldn't be like this forever. So why should you not be the person, you know, to break that pattern, you know, to redefine what 
you know, your family is or your life is more importantly and all that, like, cause no one else is going to do it if you're not, you know? So sorry. Can you hear that mower? Yeah. No, you're good. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm sorry. So that's kind of what I always say. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can always, you know, change that path, you know, like it has like, I, I, I lost my, I lost my train of thought. I was actually going to say something else, but, um, no, just, yeah. How, how people get stuck in those ways and they can't see the other side of it, uh, you know, how, how to get out of that, you know, that's yeah. impossible. Yeah. And in that direction, but. you know what I mean is like, you know, if you're saying, Oh, well, like, you know, my family was this or, you know, and it's runs in this and, you know, this is how I am. It was like, well, no one's going to like change that. Like, like if you're not going to like, who's going to, so, you know, like there's always a way out, you know, there's always a choice to be made. And, you know, in a way, like, it's crazy. Sometimes I'm like, well, we're lucky that we can make that choice as well, though. You know what I mean? Like some people I'm sure have tried and it's just too hard to make. So at the end of the day, it's hard to also say, oh, like, just do it, mm. you know, and you you got to feel grateful that you were able to mm -hmm. or able to. But um, but yeah, yeah, man, it's uh, I had I had something else to say. I forgot. Well, I just. I'll let you think about that, but I just think it's crazy how what happens to you as a kid has such an effect over, over everybody. You know, still there's things that happened to me when I was a kid that's just constantly, it's a constant battle to get over. And, um, and every, and everybody has, has different things. And, but it's, it's refreshing when you see people like you who had some of the worst things, you know, probably was surrounded by some of the worst things you could think of. And, was able to put that aside and not let it uh and not let it be the person not let that create the person that it's supposed to create you know that yeah. it's the e the easiest the easiest road for you to travel coming from a past like that is to be on drugs alcohol and be in jail in and out of it and then you know just that's the easiest path that's the, that's what's in front of you but yeah. for you to take the the less traveled road is something that i think that people need to see as a possibility and that, you know, not feel like alone, you know, everybody's, everyone's got demons and issues from when they're kids, some more than others for sure, but you need yeah. to, it's possible to get through it. You can't let it drown. Yeah. You. Yeah. Like I said, like, there's always a way out, but it's kind of up to you like to make that choice, you know, like you're stuck. Well, like no one's going to come and grab you out, you know, or, you know, your family, like you're, you got to break the cycle of what you're, doing you know and you can do it for yourself you can do it for your family you can do it for your future family you know but you got to find that reason that you want to break it and you got to like fully freaking commit to that you know and keep those motivations and the whys there and you know another thing for me is um to tell people is like people and it's a hard thing like i always imagine like i don't know what motivates people or makes people people really like what makes this person a scientist and this guy, you know, a world champion fighter, you know, what makes this person just like, you know, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. good, a dancer and this person, like, mm -hmm. it's just really crazy to me. So at the end of the day, it comes down to luck. Like how the heck did our brains, bodies and everything get wired? Like when I say like, I was lucky to make that decision, like 
I didn't know the other option, but I'm lucky I didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like that. I've seen people that couldn't, you know, do that. And it's like, I don't like judge them or I don't think they're weaker. It's just like, I feel fortunate that I was able to, then they, they weren't, but it's like, what I see a lot now growing up and through family is like, when you have like family like that is like, you can, it can go two ways. And I'm not saying this is like advice or anything, but just in general is like, it can go two ways. Like, I think you looked at it. Like when you were talking, that's what reminded me of it. You look at friends and people and like, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it and like be inspired. Like, Oh, my, my grandpa's so cool drinking Jack Daniels. Like I can't wait to do that. Or you can look at your friends that are like falling down the wrong path and be like, that's not what I want to be. Or like, you know what I mean? And once again, it's a mystery how you pick that part to me, you know, but maybe if you're conscious of that, you know, you'll be able to make the right decision, you know, like, like you can see your dad being this and it's like, oh, he's the coolest guy because he's my dad. Or you can see him being like, I don't want, I don't want to be that dad. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to switch something up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think if people can, can look at that and like, you almost have to look at you know, what you don't want to be just as much as what you want to be, you know? Mm. Um, That's well said. That is well said. Because I think if you have the most perfect parents, okay, then all right, you're just going to focus on that. And that's what you want to become. But if you have the worst parents, you you still have almost the same good example right in front of you of what Mm -hmm. you don't want to be. Yes, exactly. I mean, so it just depends on how you look at it. Like there's crazy successful people and people who have successful marriages that came from the worst families of all because they, they realized what they didn't want. Yeah. And there's people who had the, you know, parents who had the best marriages ever. And then, you know, their marriage is just chaos. You know, they can't figure it out. They can't put it together. So it really doesn't matter where you come from. It's just a matter of like looking at the right thing and having the right perspective. Yeah. on it. Perspective, bro. It's the right thing. Like there's always something good you can grab out of any situation. You know what I mean? Like when I tear my ACL, I'm like, all right, I can't do this. But you know what I can do is this. I can do this. I can do this with my brain. I can do this with my time. I can do this with that. Even I think you might relate. Like that's why you are where you're at because it's like, well, you know, you're injured obviously. And best wishes to you in the healing. I, I text you and like, obviously like, that was crushing and you're a fucking man of the people and all your peers look up to you and oh, you know, thank you, man. And it fucking, you know, hurt to see. So, I mean, you had all the praise come in, you know, I hope my comment didn't get lost in the shuffle and everything, but like fucking love you mm-hmm. and, you know, inspired by you, but it's like something that bad. All right. Well, what can you do? You can still do something, you know, you can make a podcast and work your mind and work your future and work, you know, other elements around that. And that's kind of back to what you were saying with like, there's always another perspective to take, even if it's a bad perspective, you can look at it as like, that's not what I want. Oh, that like, you know what I mean? And I think that is like, once again, like I'm so fortunate that I'm able to look at life like that. And I don't know Mm. why I didn't learn that in school. Mm. I didn't learn it. You know, that's why it's like, I can never like, that's why I respect every single person because like, once again, even talking earlier, you don't know what they're dealing with or like, you know, anything like you have to feel lucky, like you're able to not deal with it or you're able to, but you know what I mean? Like, obviously mm-hmm. you, there's sometimes you got to sit back and you also got to be proud. Like, Oh, like 
I fucking worked my ass off for this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like you were able to work out for that. Were you able to work your ass off? You know, you were able to, you had the choice to, some people didn't, you know what I mean? So yeah, man, like the perspective, like is everything growing up. Like, it's funny you said that because, you know, I like to think I'm a, I'm a good husband and, you know, Megan is sometimes says I'm a good husband even, which is crazy, but, um, but, um, but she's even told me the same thing. Like we've had the same conversation. She's like, how do you think like you became that? Cause like you didn't have that example, but it's what you just talked about is like, well, I did of what not to be. So I'm just, Mm. you know, not so. Yeah. And sometimes that's better because you see how bad that other side could be and and, And and what comes from it. And when and it's more hurtful, bad, you, if, you, if it doesn't seem that bad to you because you haven't really been around it, why not just be a crappy husband? And, you know, so it's, it's yeah, you see the hurt it causes, the pain the you know, all the shambles and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's right. But you know what I mean? Like, it's up to whoever the heck's out there to learn from that and look at it, you know, and not be like, that's around me. So that's going to influence me. Mm. You know, you got to take that perspective. And Ben. Chill out, bro. Yeah. Chill out, Ben, bro. Um, so just to just to finish it off, last question. This is honestly an awesome conversation. I really appreciate dude, it. Dude, I love you, bro. Yeah, like yeah, you're you so too, good man. at this. You're so good at this, dude. <laughs> it's not me, man. It's you. It's us. We're just hanging out talking. And I'm dude, I'm, I know we really are, but I, yeah. I I don't know. I didn't expect this. I thought, I don't know. I I love this. Like this is this has been one of my most um not cathartic, it maybe is the word, but I don't know. It's just, it's been, it's been beautiful. And I didn't expect Like I woke up 30 minutes before got coffee and like, I'm going to jump on with Weidman real quick and yeah. bro out, yeah. you know, but like, yeah. it's just been so great, especially like at this um, exact timing, you know, and, and what's happening. So anyway, but dude, you're amazing at this. This is fucking really cool to have me on. I'm glad it, it's been, this has been awesome, bro. This is why I love, this is, this is exactly why, I love the idea of doing a podcast. It's not because I want to ask a question after a question and like have my notes and, and ask hard questions, whatever it is. I just want to have good conversation with, with, with people and get good stories out of them. So it could inspire me and then also help inspire other people. And literally uh, this whole podcast has been that. So I appreciate it just to finish off. So on a lighter note, what are we, uh, what are we doing now? So you're retired. What, what's the plan? What's the plan moving forward? <laughs> Do you have one yet or not? Like there's no pressure. Just no. chilling. Obviously, uh, you're a talented the- guy. If people don't know, they can check you out on Instagram. I think they could figure it out pretty quickly. You got a lot going on. Dapper Scrappers, <laughs> art, and and music, and whatever. I know you got a lot going on, but... I got too much going on is the thing, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, not too much going on, but to me, like, I have too many interests. Like, I'm I'm a man of, like, obsessions. And, like, Megan always makes fun of me is, like... Oh yeah. That's like your new obsession this week, whether it's like a band or, or like anything or like, but that's almost why I know stuff. Because if I like something, like I, I, I learn everything about it. And then I like, I put that in my like brain and then like go get obsessed with something else. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I work. So, you know, for passion wise, it's about, you know, um, getting those interests and, you know, um, consolidating them into something that, you know, is digestible to everybody, you know what I mean? Instead of just like 
talking to my friends about this show I'm obsessed with or something, you know what I mean? Like make that more thing. Podcast is a choice or is another is an option as well. Like with something like that. But you know, that's kind of funny because like my, most of my fans are, um, you know, MMA wise. I don't know if they necessarily want to hear me talk about all the random shit I talk about all the time. Awesome. Yeah, man, but it's free. <laughs> I, I, I like what, but I like the idea of what Joe Rogan did. Joe Rogan, he just has people on that he wants to talk to every single day. And I'm not saying I'm trying to be the next Joe Rogan, but I am. Hey, I would, you love, are I would love to, You're I would the love first to be the Weidman. next Joe Rogan. Yeah, I'm the first Chris Weidman. But like just that's what this feels that like. That it's happy, you know, just like make yourself happy to talk to people you want to talk to. And yeah. hopefully other people are interested in hearing it. But like, I, I just think you should be doing whatever you whatever do. you want. So you love the most. And and I'm going to say that's how people become really successful, bro you're like nail on the head so like to answer your question like about my interests yeah like i have so much shit like i want to do and like even yesterday i like wrote everything down like all right this is what i'm gonna do oh this like i can do right away this i can start on ah this is maybe too um hefty of a load to do right now so put it kind of here but like and i you know i have little things i want to do um i, I actually want to start just selling prints of my art just like off the bat, like a limited edition, you know, like first 50 to get this, you know, I'm signing at the bottom and it's, you know, this piece or whatever, like, you know, just the print, which I'm is cool. But I'm in, I want one behind <laughs> Throw me. it down right there. Yeah. yeah. That'd be sick. Um, but for me, back to what you were saying and back to how all this started and how people become successful, like I just became passionate about this. Like I was just doing it for fun. And it's became a passion that I wanted to pursue. And once again, back to just being grateful and fortunate. Like I'm also grateful that like I can retire and not go, Oh shit, I got to go teach privates. I got to, you know, that I've been great with my money that I have a sugar mama in the other room who's doing calls right now <laughs> um, and working her butt off like constantly. So I'm very fortunate in that regard that I was able to have a successful career and I was smart enough to buy me some time to buy me some time right now, you know, where like, I don't have to rush into like, got to go do some privates or got to go teach seminars, got to do anything. Like, you know, when this decision was coming, me and Megan were both like, look, I just want you to do what you're happy with, but like, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to until you you're happy doing it. So mm -hmm. find out what that is and do it. Cause like you've worked you know, the, the consensus is like, all right, well, I worked hard enough for 15 years to deserve, you know, some time to go, Oh, what the heck do I want to do now? You know, I didn't work hard for 15 years to go like, Oh shit, got to go get a job freaking in a yeah. warehouse. Thank God. You know what I mean? Thank like God. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't get my freaking brains busted out for 15 years to go like work in a warehouse now. No. no, I got it to go to move on to something else that I love. Mm. And that there's a lot of things that I do love. Um, as much as I think, Hey, like I've already talked about how I've had two lives already. Well, like as much as I just want to have a completely different third life and like move on and have nothing to do with fighting and just become something else in some other field or whatever, like, in a way, like, I feel like MMA is not going to let me go. And I'm not going to let that go in a, in a way, you know, mm -hmm. and like, it's not necessarily like, I want to go ahead and be a coach or even an analyst or anything. But like, 
I think there's other things with my perspective, not only as a fighter for 15 years, but other perspectives I have that maybe I can add value to the sport in without just like, Hey, this guy's fighting like this or teaching people, you know, like the dapper scrappers thing and beyond, like, not that that's like, Hey, that's going to be my job. But you know what I mean? I just think there's other things around that I can do like Mm -hmm. production wise, you know, just, just to kind of grow it around with the perspectives of my, of that I have and of the sport, you know, that's an important perspective. Like it's crazy. Like right when I retire, all of a sudden, you know, I'm available to people. You know what I mean? When not, when you're fighting, like you're a fighter, that's Mm -hmm. your definition. You know what I mean? And that's something that I've always tried to change about myself and my peers, obviously. Like I've always just been so happy when somebody is doing something else, I'm going to make a podcast, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like that, you know what I mean? Like it's so refreshing for fans. And at the end of the day, I'm a fan of all my peers. I'm a fan of the sport. So to see everyone just like, Oh shit, like there's so much. And that's why I started doing the dapper scrappers. Cause I'm like, we're one thing, you know, we're fighters. When we do a pre-fight, we're talking about a fight, talking about training, then we're fighting. Then we're talking about the fight after. You know, it's like there's other layers to these people that can happen. And it's like, you know, one just might be closed. One just might be what we're going to talk about here. One might be this one might be that. But, you know, kind of uncovering those is a thing I still think hasn't like fully, fully um, um, came to fruition yet either. So, you know, I have a I have a ton of like ideas and thoughts I want to do. But at the end of the day, like you said, like just something that I want to be happy with. And it's like I've afforded that time to go like you know like it took me a while to be a good fighter you know and i took some investing and some moving and some big decisions but it's like so if the next thing i find like takes me a few years to actually like be meaningful or like start making me like happy or money or anything then like that's what it's gonna take like i was actually really inspired um are you a kanye west fan yeah yeah he's he's the greatest and i was just seeing a video of him the other day and it was a young Kanye and he had just started rapping and, you know, he's like a producer, like extraordinaire already, but he's saying, I'm focusing on rapping now. Like people got to think like there was a one time when my production, like my beats were whack, but like I learned to make sick beats and now I'm focusing on rapping. So like, that's going to be me. And it's just funny. Cause like, you know, he was defined as one thing and then it's like, but now, like that kid that was talking, like he's like a cultural icon, like transcends rap. Like he's not even a rapper. Like he transcends it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's just kind of like, like crazy to me when I was hearing that. Cause I was like, little did that guy know. Like it just, it just remind. he has so many motivating quotes and I had to put him in there, but it was just like, it was just funny to think like, you know what I mean? Like people didn't believe he was going to be something else. Cause he was a producer, but yeah. like, nah, nah, I like, I'm going to try it this. So I'm gonna do good at it. Like it yeah, was, yeah. and it was amazing. He he definitely has some qualities about him that are so inspirational for anybody. Yeah. His his interview with Joe Rogan. Did you you listen to that? I'm guessing. Did you ever listen to that? I listened to like clips of it. Yeah. You gotta listen to the whole thing. It's like I don't know three and a half hours. Yeah. But that's that's one of the reasons why I love Rogan. It's long these long formatted uh, interviews, which is super rare. And you get a guy like Kanye West for that long. You kind of you finally you understand where where his mind is at. At first, he comes off as super crazy, and he's definitely very different. He'll admit it, 
But like you let him talk for three and a half hours, you it's amazing how he's able to put it all together and, and, and actually starts making sense to you. Like, oh, that's how he thinks. That's how his brain moves. And it's not like then you're not, you know, so quick to be so judgmental uh, about how yeah. you feel about him and the things he's saying, because uh, it, it makes sense if you let the guy talk long enough, you know, and he that, really well, is a genius. That's at the end of the day what made him what he is is he always thought outside the box you know free thinking he went against the grain he thought well they're doing this like i'm gonna do that you mm -hmm. know they go this way like i'm going that way and like pioneered a whole freaking generation <laughs> um yeah. through that you know so yeah the proof is there but yeah like i i want i i'm not like a big podcast guy honestly like as far as like listening to them mm -hmm. and yeah. i feel bad i'm not but um <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, I feel like if I have time to listen to something, like I listen to music, like, mm, oh, yeah. I can listen to an al a new album for an hour or I can yeah. listen to, you know, this stupid fighter, me, <laughs> you know, for an hour, like yeah. this stupid retired fighter for an hour, or I can listen to like the new freaking album, you know, I'm gonna, like, I don't know, I'm usually going to do that. But yeah, 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 I need to get like, trust me, I've seen so many like I obviously haven't seen that. Like I show, I feel that's another beast with like him and Joe Rogan for three yeah. hours. Yeah. But yeah, like I've seen so like, I mean, I study all these guys. Like anybody, like so many people outside of fighting, I watch. That's how like a lot of the times I'm inspired because there's so there's only so much you can like be inspired by another fighter for. You know, like you can be, but it's like, there's only so many like rise and grinds, get knocked down, get back up, do this, do that. Like it's a, it's a scope like this of inspiration. And when you're there, you almost have to look outside of it. So like, I've looked in like movie directors, like listen, um, record producers, you know, even, um, um, musical artists, because like, even for them, it's just like, when they think about making an album or a movie, like it's very similar to a fight camp, like getting the correct people around, you know, doing this, like mm -hmm. it's, it's just crazy, but you like, you can find inspiration from anybody that does anything at a high level, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, yeah. Like I'm Rogan. I don't ever really listen to the fighters on there. Yeah. It's always like this. We're, we're assholes. <laughs> it's just like, I already know. I feel like I already know, you know? Yeah. But you know, what's going to happen. They're going to be like, Oh shit, man. I, I used to do drugs and my dad went to prison <laughs> uh, then i started then i started fighting then i started fighting because that's that's what i was made to do yeah. you know and then like yeah, awesome and that's it every time so yeah well i just like to see something i'm not used to seeing you know i'm just we're surrounded by fighters it's like you know yeah where i'm a fighter you're a fighter we just i don't know but anyway bro i really appreciate you coming on the show man um this is awesome congratulations on retirement it's thank you bro I know you're going to be super successful in whatever you decide to do next. You're you're obviously very smart, uh, creative, hardworking, and so you have all the ingredients to crush whatever you want to do. I'd say I'm happy you take your time, bro. Don't rush into anything just because. Oh yeah. You know, I feel like everyone feels like they retire now. They have to tell somebody. They have to tell everybody what they're going to do next, or otherwise they feel like a loser. Or they, you know. Uh, they, I did. Yeah. I'll sit here, bro. I'm fine in my yeah, backyard. <laughs> All right, man. Well, awesome talking to you. Thank you for coming on. Won't Dude, that was the best podcast. time of my life. What an amazing guy. Um, I really, really did bond with him. You know, we said I love you to each other multiple times. I didn't expect that. Um, I've been around Joe multiple times at different events, and we hung out. We spoke. But 
you know, it's like five, 10 minutes here and there, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the surfacey type stuff, but that's, that's one of the reasons why I love this podcast that I get to, you know, sit down and have a one-on-one with a guy who I kind of known, you know, we have a lot in common uh, because we both are, you know, UFC fighters um, and have been fighting around the same times, but to sit here and really get deep with him and, and learn a lot about, his career, um, the ups and downs, um, to learn about his family life and some of the struggles he had with that and the struggles he had with drug and alcohol abuse and how he overcame that, his brother and what happened with that. I mean, there was just, it, it was really good. I mean, his, his, his love for coffee, just tons of things that, um, I, I really didn't know about him and makes me value him even more, um, as a human being. Um, just what an amazing guy, what a great husband loves his wife. You know, you get, you don't see that too, too many times these days where, you know, a husband really does hold up his wife the way, uh, he does. And, uh, it's inspiring. His whole story is inspiring, uh, for me, um, his, his career, his retirement, the way he's looking at the future, not looking to rush right into something just to do it, just to say he's got another job and, you know, taking his time to find something else that he loves. Um, I really wish him nothing but the best and I look forward to uh, talking to him more on a, a personal level and uh, I really appreciate him coming on the show if you want more stories like Joe's all you have to do is click the follow button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and the show will go straight to your phone whenever we publish new episodes and if you didn't know I've also got a YouTube channel where I post Every episode of Won't Back Down, as well as some videos documenting my recovery. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it. If you're an MMA fan, enjoy UFC 266 this weekend. And if not, I hope you have a great weekend with your friends and family. I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening.